Well, it's our annual uh, 21 days of prayer and uh, fasting. Uh, welcome to our yearly uh, campaign, spiritual campaign, where we take 21 days to seek after the face of God, to pray and to fast and to align our hearts so that it could be in alignment with His heart. You know, sometimes it takes a while, but uh, we do things or we behave in a certain way and we expect people to know exactly what we're doing. You guys know what I'm talking about? That there's a certain kind of culture, like here in Hawaii, uh, when we have friends visit um, us from the mainland, you know, they, uh, we have to inform them, hey, you, ju you just don't go walk into people's homes without first taking off your shoes or your slippers, right? Or, um, you know, we've had to educate and inform our friends and family that when they visit and they tag us on Instagram, it's like, oh, we're visiting the Hawaiians. I was like, no, we, <laughs> we don't use the word Hawaiian. We refer to Hawaiian as an ethnicity. We don't refer to it like, oh, I'm Californian because I live in California. Or oh, I'm a New Yorker because I live in New York, right? Or I'm Angelino because I live in L.A. or Los Angeles. Um, Hawaiian is an ethnicity, it, it, you know, and we don't do that. That's not a part of our culture um, or especially this when friends or they go and go to North Shore and they touch turtles, I'm like, no, do not put that on social media. That is a big no-no. That's such a taboo. We respect the culture. We respect especially turtles. You don't touch them. You don't take selfies around them. You don't do anything. You just kind of leave them alone. And how about this one? Um, when your friends come and visit, or people from the mainland and they have younger kids and they just call people that are older than them, you know, they just call them by their first name. It's like, no, 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 you call someone uncle, you know, uncle Keola, right? You call them uncle Andy, you call them uncle Damon, you call them auntie Justine, you call them auntie Sarah. And these are some of the cultural things that, you know, we gotten so used to them that when people come and visit, or other people who are not from here, they, um, we kind of expect them to know, but we actually have to educate and train them. You know what? The same thing could be said about Christianity. In other words, we expect those who are unchurched and those who, aren't, who didn't grow up in church or are unfamiliar with church, we, ex we expect them to do things that we are normal and accustomed to doing, you know, where we... When we have in-person service, oh, we need to stand for God's word. Or we take communion. This is the bread. This is the juice. Oh, now it's time to worship and let's sing. It's time to lift up our hands. And people might not know exactly what's happening. And, you know, we, this is the fourth year that we have done 21 days of prayer and fasting. And people might be, it's like, why 21? Is it 21 because 21 days? Um, because... You know, maybe it's the legal age that you become a Christian that you could actually fast and pray. Or why? what's the significance of 21 days of prayer and fasting? Well, our text in Daniel chapter 10 will answer for us that uh, this morning. Let's turn to Daniel chapter 10, verses 2. And we're going to jump down to verse 12. But in verse 2, it says, In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning 
three full weeks. So 21 days, I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Three weeks equals 21 days. Let's jump down to verse 12. Um, Daniel here, he has a vision and the angel approaches him. He says, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, mark those words, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. In verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light into our path. So, Father, right now, I pray that that not only would you illuminate our hearts, illuminate our minds so that we could see wonderful things from your law, Lord, but, Lord, I pray right now that you would turn our hearts, change our desires, that we would welcome your word as truth. I pray, Lord, that right now that you would create, that you would stir a hunger for you, that we would grab a hold And take this opportunity, Lord, to seek you in prayer, to seek you in fasting, and that we would meet you, Lord God, as you have called us and you have drawn us to yourself. Would you do this, Lord, for the sake of your glory and your great name? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So in our text, in Daniel chapter 10, we see here that Daniel, he fasted for three weeks, or he fasted for 21 days. He, what did it mean to fast? We see in verse 2 and 3, he says he didn't eat any choice food. He didn't eat any meat. He did not drink any wine. He didn't even anoint his head with oil. That he took this time to mourn and to fast and to pray. And during these 21 days, it seemed like nothing was happening, but uh, God revealed himself through an angel to Daniel and said, Hey, I, I was... Because in Daniel chapter 9, God prays or Daniel prays and intercedes for Israel. And nothing really happened. So he prayed and fasted for 21 days. And he says, 21 days, you've been praying, you've, you've, you've been fasting, you've set your heart before me. You've aligned your heart. You've humbled yourself before God and I heard you. But listen, there was opposition. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, he withstood me. In other words, there was it gives Daniel chapter 10, it offers a direct insight into the nature of spiritual conflict taking place in the heavenly realm. And the whole book of Daniel, it shows us that despite conflicts, both earthly and spiritual, God will achieve victory in this world and he will vindicate his people. And here's the main point that I want us to have uh, this morning. Would you write this down? Expect spiritual opposition when you fast and you pray. Let me say that again. Expect spiritual 
conflict, spiritual opposition, when you humble yourself before God, when you set your heart towards Christ and to seek His kingdom and to seek His face, expect spiritual opposition. It's going to come, all right? Because fasting does something in the church. Fasting does something in our lives. Listen, there's a dynamic that happens when we fast as a church where miracles happen, where strongholds are broken, where God liberates us and He refocuses us. We realize His power in us in a whole new way. Fasting, going without food, seeking God, is a hunger strike against hell. Fasting and prayer, it will fast track your prayers. Fasting and prayer will break the yoke of bondage. Fasting and prayer will release God's power and will bring about supernatural results in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your health, in your finances. Fasting will bring divine solutions and will bring divine, divine wisdom into life's perplexing problems. Fasting and prayer, it will humble our hearts and recalibrate our lives so that we will walk in new divine awareness of God's purpose in our lives. Fasting and prayer will bring about supernatural protection and miraculous provision. Fasting and prayer will bring about favor with people. Fasting and prayer will have you or will give you heaven's answer and hell's defeat. Fasting makes a difference. And if fasting and prayer can do all these different things, well, it will bring a divine intervention where God intervenes. Of course, of course, you should expect opposition and spiritual conflict. Prayer and fasting is so important that we prepare our lives and be ready, ready ourselves to what God wants to do. When you fast and pray, we prepare it starting tomorrow, starting Monday. We ask ourselves, Lord, what is it that you want me to do during this fast? How is it that you want me to seek you? God, get a hold of my heart. I'm setting my heart on you just like Daniel, just like Daniel. I'm humbling myself. I don't know what 2022 will bring, but Lord, I need you. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need your presence. I am willing to forsake food that sustains me, that gives me nutrients because Lord, just like Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. We prepare ourselves spiritually. Do you guys remember Mark chapter 9? Where there was a boy uh, with convulsions, with unclean spirit. And the disciples, they tried to cast him and they couldn't. And then Jesus had to come and, and cast out the, this unclean spirit. And they had a little debrief meeting in Mark chapter 9 and verse 29. And Jesus says, this kind, this kind of spiritual power 
right? It cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. The New King James Version says it's by prayer and fasting. See, fasting and prayer brings about God's supernatural provision. And of course, we are because God does all these crazy, miraculous, amazing things through the median, medium and through the means of prayer and fasting, we should expect conflict and opposition. I never, I'll never forget sitting as a sophomore in Bible college, taking systematic theology. All the Bible college nerds, we called it Sisto. We're taking Sisto 2, right? Systematic Theology 2. And we learn about pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. And our professor said, you know, you guys are here because you felt a calling of God on your life to be in ministry, to be a pastor, to be, um, to be a, a teacher, to be a missionary. And you, you've answered yes to the call of God in your life whether it was through church service or in youth camp, whatever it is, our teacher said, our professor said, when you said yes to the Lord, you've essentially painted in the spiritual realm a whole big in neon red, right? A neon red, you painted a big old target sign on your back because the enemy wants to steal, to kill and destroy. And, and our professor said, expect opposition expect trials anticipate that you're gonna go through tribulations can I be honest with you guys you know I have to stand before God and have to give an account of what I have taught and how I've lived my life first uh, Timothy says but there's been lie that's been preached in pulpits in churches all across America and all across the world that says that following Jesus is the ticket to a low-maintenance, hassle-free life. Listen, that is a lie. That is 100% false. Here's the truth. The truth is when you become a Christian and you said the sinner's prayer, when you confessed with your mouth, Believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ and that God raised him from the dead. Listen, you just don't gain your, a heavenly father. You just don't gain a heavenly father. But listen, you gain the devil and Satan as your enemy. Yes, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Yes, you have a, the spirit of adoption. Yes, you've been called a son and daughter of a living God. Yes, you have fatherhood with God. But listen, you've also gained a spiritual enemy who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, who plays for keeps, who wants to ravage your future, who wants to destroy your marriage, who wants to obliterate your health, who wants to kill your faith. And when you fast and when you pray, expect that you are good, that there will be oppositions. When you experience headaches because you haven't had coffee or for a while, when you experience hunger pains and your hunger, your, your stomach is growling, that is when you press in to God. Listen, 
We don't follow Jesus to make life better. We follow Jesus because he is better than life. We do not fast and pray to make life better, but we fast and pray because Jesus is better than life. We don't fast and pray so that things will be easier. So life becomes more palatable and more manageable for us to handle. Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. James chapter 2 says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. 2 Timothy says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life for Christ Jesus, you will be persecuted. And so we press in. We commit ourselves, we dedicate ourselves to prayer and fasting, not because we want a better life. We fast and pray because Jesus himself is better than life. Look at what Psalmist David in Psalm 63 says, verse 1, it says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being, it longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Why? Look at verse 3. Because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. And this is why David is a man after God's own heart. He understood. He's gone through excessive wealth, excessive success. He's experienced it all. And he says, Lord, my soul thirsts for the living God. My soul languishes it for you. And he says, why does, he, why does David have this conviction because he says your love is better than life. This is how Charles Spurgeon says it. Life is dear, but God's love is dearer. To dwell with God is better than life at its best. Life at ease, in a palace, in health, in honor, in wealth, in pleasure. Yea, a thousand lives are not equal to the eternal life which abides in Jehovah's smile. Do you guys remember John chapter 6, verse 66? Where Jesus says, eat of my flesh and drink of my blood. And it says many disciples left and abandoned him. And Jesus turns to the disciples, are you going to leave me too? Are you going to abandon me too? And what did Peter and the disciples say? He says, Lord, where else can we go? Who else can we turn to for you alone have words of life? We fast and pray not because we could get something from God. We fast and pray because we get God. We starve our flesh so that we could feast in the presence of God. We don't use God and we don't use fasting and prayer as a means to get something from God, to get gifts from God. But we fast and pray because we want more of Jesus in our lives. And so there's three types of fasts that we go through. The first is this. It's an absolute fast, which is no food 
or no water, okay? So uh, fasting is abstinence from food. Now, I don't recommend this at all, okay? Um, if you're gonna do it, make sure to consult a, a doctor. But secondly is uh, a normal fast, which is abstaining from food, but drinking lots of water. Abstaining from food, but drinking lots of water. Now, fasting is a very important spiritual discipline, but not in a way to get our prayers answered. You know, we don't fast and pray that God will guarantee that our prayers will be answered. Listen, that's a theology of works. Even though our fasting does not manipulate God, we can't forget, the listen, that fasting is God's idea. And the most important thing about fasting, when you actually practice it, is to realize that fasting is to be done with a God-centered focus and a God-centered or a biblical purpose. In other words, you know, some people say like, oh man, I've tried prayer and fasting. Oh, our church did this 21 day of prayer and fasting and all I could think about during the whole time was the growling in my stomach. And man, man, if I get through this, I'll never do it again. Uh, throughout the time of your fast, we're not, we shouldn't be looking at our watches like, okay, a couple more hours. Okay, okay, then I get to eat. Somehow we hope that God will be impressed by our self-inflicted suffering. That is not what fasting is about. The most important thing about fasting is to practice is for a biblical and God-centered focus. In his book on spiritual disciplines, uh, Dr. Donald Whitney uh, wrote down about 10 reasons why we should fast and most of it has to deal has to do with uh, strengthening our prayer lives. In fact, uh, John Piper says that um, fasting coupled with prayer, that fasting is an intensifier, that it intensifies our prayer and our hunger. So how should it work for the motive to be right? When your stomach is growling and you say, man, I'm hungry, and then your next thought is like, oh, I'm hungry because I'm fasting today. And if your next thought is, man, how much longer till I can eat? That is the wrong motive. You're going to have a bad experience. Your next thought should be, I'm fasting for this biblical purpose. I'm fasting for my wife. I'm fasting for the salvation of family members. Oh, I'm fasting for uh, supernatural provision. I'm fasting for my auntie's healing. I'm fasting for my neighbor's cancer. So what do you end up doing all day long as you experience these hunger pains? You pray. You see, of all the spiritual disciplines, fasting is actually is something we can actually and physically feel it in our bodies. It's this uncomfortable feeling because no one likes to feel hungry, but when you remember, listen, that your hunger serves you a purpose. I mean, is there ever a time when you want a prayer answered when you want lunch? 
right? Is there ever a time you want a family member to be saved than when you want a chicken katsu mixed plate? And see, this is where fasting takes place. That fasting, it serves as a reminder. It serves a purpose to turn your affection, to turn that hunger into hunger for God. That we make a decision where we have physical hunger, we redeem that and we transform that to spiritual hunger for God. I know some of you have New Year's resolutions. You, I want to serve others more or I want more money to give. I want to be more present with God and I want to be more self-aware. Self Listen, this is where fasting comes in. You don't have lunch, so you use your lunch to serve someone. That's how you can serve someone. Or you use your lunch money to give to those in need. Or you use your lunch time because you're always like, oh, I'm, I just want to be present. I'm so busy. I'm so hurried all the time. Use your lunch time to be still and quiet before God. Don't miss out on the benefits of fasting. And three is a partial fast. This can be done in a variety of ways. Um, you could have the Daniel fast where it's only vegetables, no meat, no dairy, uh, no eggs, no bread, anything made with bread and sugar or animal products. Maybe you could just do a liquid diet, all right, where you could just have uh, broth or soup. Or um, maybe you could just, if you're used to eating three times a day, maybe just eat twice a day. Maybe skip breakfast or maybe skip lunch. If you've fasted before, maybe you could skip breakfast and lunch or maybe dinner. Um, so what you do is you redeem these times and you turn your hunger, your physical hunger, into hunger for God. Uh, biblical fasting is abstinence from food. I know we've had some church members before. It's like, oh, I'm fasting from a bad attitude. Eh. Uh, biblically, fasting is not having food. So you want to couple that. It's like, hey, I'm fasting from social media. Hey, I'm fasting from TV. I'm fasting from the internet. Hey, I'm fasting from uh, Netflix. You could couple that. But what you do is that you replace that time and you spend it with God. As we bring this to a close, what are you contending for? Renee last week talked about we need to contend for hope. But during these 21 days, which will directly affect the next 344 days, what are you contending for? What is the biblical purpose? Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 says that uh, that right, um, right actions are ruined by wrong motives. Our motives is not to impress God or to try to look holy in front of people. Our motive is that we want more of God. What are you contending for? Are you contending for a cycle or a stronghold of sin to be broken in your life? Are you contending for a repentance in, um, in your kids or repentance in your loved one? Are you uh, contending for that you don't want to be lukewarm anymore? 
that you're fighting against lukewarmness, that you want to have spiritual favor, that you want to be the man of God that God has called you to be, that you desire to be the woman or the wife or the husband or the child or son or daughter of God that He has called you to be. Are you contending that you, you know, I'm just not going to play around and mess around anymore? I want to take, I want to have vision from God. I want to have clarity about my future. Maybe you're undecided and you're fasting for your future. What college you're going to go to, what your career you're going to take, what are you going to get your degree in? And you fast and pray. Maybe you're contending for the salvation of a coworker or a neighbor or a family member. Or maybe it's a prodigal child or your children. Maybe it's physical healing from cancer or, uh, or COVID, whatever it is. Would, would you take the time, these 21 days, to fast and to pray? Listen, if you want God to do something that He's never done before, you have to be willing to do things that you have never done before. If you want God to do extraordinary, miraculous things, you got to be willing to do extraordinary things. You got to be willing to pay the price, take up your cross and follow Him so you'll get more of Jesus in your life this morning. Amen? Let's go ahead and pray. So Father, we thank You, we worship You. We honor you, O Lord God, and we do pray right now that you would be with your people. I pray, Lord, for that you would draw us unto yourself, that we would have the spiritual hunger for you, Lord. Your word says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So would you fill your people? Would you satisfy them with your presence and with your goodness? Would you draw them unto yourself? Would you stir Lord, this desire for you, O Lord God, desire for your name to be made holy, for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it's being done in heaven. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys. Well, we love you. Thank you so much for joining us and hope that you have an amazing uh, 21 days. We're with you. We can do it together. We love you guys. Remember, no in-person service tonight. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. We love you. Have an amazing week. Take care.